Man, uh, so welcome back to another episode of uh, Gabe X's Thoughts. Uh, we have here Brian, and he'll introduce himself and why he's important, and then we're going to jump into the conversation. Uh, well, my name is Brian Berger. I'm a city of Chester police officer, and I've been doing it for three and a half years, babe. And a year before that, took a little while to get hired. And six months prior to that, I was in Allentown's Police Academy. So I know been a little bit all over the place here. Okay. Where are you from? Man, Jersey. Uh, that's why I question get driving sometimes. Makes sense now. <laughs> North Jersey, baby. <laughs> so, I mean, listen, we in the year 2021. Um we we've seen that the relationship between you know police police departments and minority communities have been a topic of discussion for the last x amount of years we can go back far as hell if we want to um so i mean just from your standpoint you know being a, a police officer like what do you think when you're going into you know minority neighborhoods and things of that nature because i mean there's something that I guess as a minority citizen, we assume you guys think, but like you're you're actually in the field. So like, can you can you speak to that? Um, I mean, the biggest thing for me is I, I really don't think about it too much. I, I just think like I tell my wife all the time. You know, I go out and I and I treat people exactly the way I would want to be treated, or I would want my own family to be treated. So going into any neighborhood, you know, I usually just keep the same calm, smooth demeanor. I I'm straightforward. I don't play games with anybody. I'm honest when they ask questions. I give them exactly whatever knowledge that they need to do. If I don't have it, I find it. I'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, I work in a, in, a, in a city where the resources aren't exactly there and they're, and they're not exactly readily available to a lot of people. So there's obviously a high crime rate. People, you know, people got to do what they got to do to survive and to take care of themselves. So, I mean, it's understandable to see what I see and, and see what I deal with and uh, and really try to work through it with people. Understandable, understandable. Um, so, in light of, like, some of the current events, I mean, we would be remiss to ignore the uh, the officer that was that's being, you know, on trial for the George yeah. Floyd shooting and a couple other situations. So, in light of current events um, from where you sit, has training for police officers changed any? I would say that they're going more towards the de-escalation things. Like uh, we, we go through our own de-escalation when we first go through the academy and then like continuing education is supposed to be available by a lot of departments and most departments kind of let it go by the wayside. Okay. So a lot of times you'll be behind on, on your your education because either you're down on manpower or the department say is in like a forbearance or uh, like an act 47 situation where they're almost bankrupt, but they have a chance to come back from that. Mm -hmm. So you really don't have the option to go to that many trainings, but when you do, you have to make it count and you have to put in for it. Okay. So, I mean, in looking at some of these situations, would you say that because of the lack of training is why we're, you know, continue to get, I, I mean, again, there's not going to be any perfect record of anything. I mean, that's you know, human nature, but you know, when it comes down to like, you, you said, you know, there's not enough resources available and enough trainings available once you get out of the academy. So 
in looking at that, would you say that that kind of leads to what some, some of the things that we're seeing now? I would definitely say it plays a part in it. I mean, there's there's a lot of different strings that get pulled as mm -hmm. far as uh, like situations like that. You know, obviously, if you don't have the guys or the manpower, you're running, you know, one one or two guys to a call where it's a priority one, which is, you know, the highest and it's a, a dangerous situation. It can jump off and then you're over there fighting for your life because you're the only person there. And some 260 pound dude high on PCP. And I, I mean, I've dealt with stuff, so I, obviously I'll make references to certain things, but, uh, you know, it's it's insane because. You have not only is that that first string, all right, you got low manpower, all right? You're the only guy on the scene for say two minutes, three minutes. Mm -hmm. It takes 30 seconds to kill somebody. I mean, it's 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 quick. So guys are already high stress, high tension going into a situation. I mean, I, I get where their thought process is. I mean, I don't agree with some of the things that people do. I'm more of a hands-on person. If you if you're not comfortable with being hands-on, then you probably shouldn't be in this field. I think that, you know, you should definitely seek some type of jujitsu or mixed martial arts because a lot of it is is doing maintaining your locks, any type of simple like wrist lock. Uh, there's a couple different things that you're able to do. Um, but if you're not able to maintain that and, and to be able to get somebody into custody, then I mean, if you're not comfortable with it, then you shouldn't be in the field, period. True. Um, so how long does it take to get to the academy? Uh, we do it for six months. Okay. And it, it, depending on if you're already hired going through the academy mm -hmm. or if you, because I was pre-service, so I wasn't hired going through. I, put, I paid my own money out of my own pocket and went through the academy, got certified. So I was more attractive to departments because they could save money on training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, take, it takes six months. And then when you get hired, you usually go through a period of about two or uh, I want to say like a month, month and a half of um, like they're pre going through their policies, going through what you're supposed to go through, your taser training and all that stuff. They actually handle that once you get onto the department. So on average, you know, roughly around half a year to about eight months before you can officially get, you know, a beat. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so with that being the case, do you think that's enough time? Like, I mean, I get it. So like, like you said, we talked about it before, you know, low manpower. So like the need for more cops is always going to be there. But again, in the society that we live in, with everything being I, super I definitely think that they need to include professional skills as, okay. as there's a little bit more that needs to go into it. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it. If, if you, if, you know, if, I, if you were the head, it came to you, Brian, you know, we want to make sure that we're, we're fully equipping and training our officers. What would you like, what, what would you be, what would be some I mean, of the, the things? Big, you, the biggest thing would be to, because there's certain officers that their demeanor and the way that they talk to people isn't exactly the way that they should. I mean, it's a little disrespectful. It's a little edgy. So obviously it's going to raise tensions with people. So I definitely think going through something where you had to be mindful of how you're talking to people and how you're handling the situation. Because I mean, a simple, easygoing situation that can be solved with words may get to be physical if you're talking to somebody disrespectful and they're not feeling it. 
I've seen it. It's it's happened across the country. I mean, we've seen plenty of videos left and right been posted on social media of, of a cop talking crazy sideways to somebody. And it's a whole issue. So I think that's definitely one of the, the bigger pieces. And then after that, like I said before, I would definitely, you know, have officers going through some type of jujitsu class just because of self-defense. And also it, it, it teaches you locks that you're able to do without intentionally hurting somebody you know obviously there's risk for injury when you're doing things but for the most part if you're being taught by a professional on how to maintain and control somebody's body without creating a risk uh, a more of a risk situation then that's something that you need to seek out gotcha okay so i mean again this is from the outside looking in, because I, you know, I don't have information privy to, you know, being inside of a police department, but like from the outside looking in, do police officers hold other police officers accountable? Because it seemed like every time, you know, again, and we're going to touch about, you know, how the media portrays things and how that can skew how we interpret things. But it just seems like every time we see reports of officers trying to hold other officers accountable, they end up fired. So, like, is that a trend? Like, you know, the good old boys club, or how, how does that do cops hold other cops accountable? I, I mean, I know I do. I, I call people out, whether it's on scene or off scene. I, I tend to do it off scene because I don't really like getting in people's faces with other people watching. Mm-hmm. Like, I still want to seem like a team, but you know what? There's there's a way to do it that's responsible and and adult and being an adult about it. So, I mean. Afterwards, we I mean, there's plenty of times where, you know, me or another officer pulled people aside at our department and said, like, dude, you're out of pocket. You need to relax. You need to calm down. You need to start learning how to talk to people because the way that you're talking to people is creating more of a, a risk for us. Because, I mean, we all got to go home at the, at the end of the day. Everybody it doesn't. It's not just cops. You know, everybody's got to go home. So, I mean, I, I definitely think that there's a, a little bit of a like a, a club going Okay. People feel because most cops are going to stick together because they've been trained in the mentality of it's us versus them, or it's, Hey, look, we're all here. We all work together. We have to go home together. It's, it's possible to do while still maintaining a level of responsibility. So with, you know, the mindset of, so again, you brought up a really good point. So with the mindset of a, us versus them, how do you, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I play sports. So of course I understand the whole us versus them, you know, our team versus the whole team. Um, yeah. Right. But I mean, when I played football, again, if somebody did something wrong, yo, bro, like you fucking the assignment. Like you, yeah. fuck- <laughs> you, you're, you're held responsible. Right. And it, it, you know, it just seems like that's not readily done when it comes to officers. Now, you know, again, just from your standpoint, do you like, Okay, so let's just say you had a partner that was your elder, right? And he did something wrong. Would you feel comfortable, yo, bro? Like that was that was that was out of pocket. Like you shouldn't do that. Or would I you mean, being comfortable and and doing something against the grain isn't exactly synonymous <laughs> with each other. That's fair. <laughs> so so I mean, but you know what? It is what it is. I mean, if you don't feel comfortable with something, you you know, you got to voice your opinion. It doesn't matter if they're your elders or not. Uh-huh. I mean, there's plenty of times where folks have told us to do something and we said like look by law we're not even allowed to do that so i don't feel comfortable with it 
And I think it's more of a new generation thing. Okay. I, I definitely can see it in a lot of newer officers. A lot of the guys that are coming on lately within the past few years are starting to be more aware of themselves and more responsible. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely think that there's a little bit of a gap when it comes to different generations because of the way that they were brought up and trained and, and handled things. Okay. So kind of, you know, uh, quick sidebar. So I lived in the hood my entire life, 17 from Lehigh, where I'm from. And Philly, if anybody listening knows what 17 from Lehigh is, you, you know what that is. <laughs> um, so with that being the case, would you just would you say it's more of a manpower thing or it might just be a deeper thing than that where, you know, it just seems like response times are different depending on what neighborhood you're in? I know 17 from Lehigh response time is about an hour, hour and a half if you're lucky. And hopefully you're not bleeding because you're probably going to die at that point. But you know, but you know, you, you call up Upper Darby or somewhere, it seems like the response might be quicker. Is that due to resources or I would I would venture to say it'd be resources. Okay. And that's and that's only because I can't really Philly is a very weird place when it comes to their police department. I don't know how they function and I tend not to just not worry about how they function. Fair enough. It, I mean, it's it's hard enough getting them to come out and pick up their prisoners when we have like warrants and stuff like that. Yikes! Um, so I just I stick to I stick to my Delaware County and and that's it. Um, but I, I definitely I would venture to say it's resources, man. I they, I mean they're hiring. They they have flyers all over the place all the time. They and and I mean they're bleeding guys, especially nowadays with everything that's going on and stuff like that. It's not exactly attractive to be on the cop anymore. It's something that it, it's become more of a, if somebody wanted to do it and they've been looking forward to doing it their whole life, that's more of the person that's doing it. It's not like a, hey, let me go get a job. You know what? I think I'm just going to apply to be a police officer type of thing. Now, from some of the uh, experiences that you've had, is there like a uniformity in like the training and like a uniformity and like how departments are run or is it pretty much everybody has their own jurisdiction kind of thing? So we have uh, neighboring places that help us only because we're always down on people. I mean, there's times where we're running four guys in the city and that's it. And each guy has 25 to 30 calls on their own, which is insane, especially being that, you know, we're only working eight hours. So you're thinking in an eight hour span, you're going to, 25 to 30 different houses it's an it's wild it's crazy and in the summer that almost doubles so it's it's just it's in it's absolutely wild there's times where stuff will hold that's you know a priority because something else of higher priority has been dispatched so it gets crazy it's it's it gets there's a lot going on especially with uh with manpower issues like i know we so that we had a a a mandate that allowed one extra guy to be on the street to cover east or west. And there was two east, two west. So it kind of frees up some of like the, uh, like if we're all on priority and that extra guy who's a city backup is available, he clears out like non-priority stuff and then backs us on stuff that we might need help on. So it helps in the long run, it helps us kind of be able to make sure that our times are down for our responses and that we're being efficient in the way that we're handling things. Gotcha. Um, so another question that I, I've always personally had, 
especially, you know, when you're driving and you get pulled over, do police officers have quotas they have to hit? <laughs> no, but people push a lot of the, hey, we want to get some workout today. And then they're like, all right, you know what? We'll hit it today and we'll get after it. Okay. Yeah, but there's, yeah, there's, it's illegal and it, it's not even feasible to say, hey, I need you to go do this many stops and this we don't, we don't do that. We just go by. If we're feeling it, we're feeling it. We're going to go try to find some guns and drugs. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so you're, let's talk about your department in particular. Are, are you satisfied with the things that you guys have been, you know, trying to implement since, I mean, again, like you said, it's getting rough out there. So, yeah, so we, uh, we're currently in receivership. Before that, we were attempting to get out of receivership and it didn't work. The previous regime that was in charge really kind of didn't give the guys stuff to be hopeful for. And that's why we lost a lot of guys. Like in my hiring class, there was, I think, nine or 10 people. And there's only three of us now. And that's the trend with every class that's come in. We've already lost two guys off the new hiring class that we get, had grabbed, which had like seven or eight people or I want to say probably like six or seven. And uh, so now we got to worry about, okay, well, we don't, we're not bringing in as many guys as are going. So now we're like, oh man, we got to start rotating this. But they've, our department has started to really make a, a change and make a turn and allowing guys to be comfortable. Like we had in the city of Chester, it's completely urban. It's everybody's on top of each other. It's like a mini Philadelphia. It's just, it's really concentrated because of how small it is. We had button-ups with undervests and dress pants as our police uniform. It's not comfortable. It's not feasible. It's not even worth having on your body. Outer carriers and cargo BDUs have been proven to be more effective and have less, uh, less strain on your lower back. So guys aren't getting injured as much where guys aren't, you know, being able to maintain their health. They've allowed us to have outer carriers. We got like a whole new uniform. We've got, you know, different things that are coming up that people are trying to get into position so that we actually have enough guys on the street and stuff like that. I know the receiver has been working hard on balancing everything so we can start writing grants again. Because, I mean, look, grants are free money, man. They give you plenty of free things. There's a department near us that, you know, they, they write millions of dollars off a year because of grants. I, they have top of the line equipment. They have top of the line training, top of the line. They got a drone with uh, heat, heat uh, infrared. Like, it's crazy. It's wild. And, and if we're able to get to that position, then, I mean, it, it ends up paying off for us. We still got Crown Vicks that are, like, on their last leg that we're still rocking and rolling with. You sit in the seat and the whole bottom is completely metal. Yeah, so we, we're, we're slowly getting to where we need to be. And it, it, obviously with the receivership, it kind of it puts a tamper on, on the timetable. But you know what? It's, it's working out. So we're definitely going in the right direction. I think we got a, a good group of guys coming up. And I definitely think that our leadership is starting to kind of make a spin. So in terms of, you know, the, the different uh, ethnicities in your department, would you say that it's pretty diverse or it lacks diversity? I would, I would definitely say, I mean, we, uh, we have a, a, our major is African-American. Uh, we got 
Latinos, we got Black, Spanish, we got a couple Arab dudes who, who legitimately speak Arabic to our community because there's a few different store owners that are Arabic. Like we got a good, we got a decent mix going on. Would you say that that has been a, uh, a, a help for you guys? Because I mean, again, a lot of times, we, you know, representation matters. So like when you have officers and, you know, people in authority that look like you, it kind of eases some of that tension that's already there. So that as, is, as crazy as it's going to sound, it, it's kind of like down the middle of the road on it, man. Some people, some people expect them to look out for them, even though they've done something illegal because of, hey, yo, you're one of us. I've heard it. You're one of us. You're not going to look out for us. And I'm like, that works. That's not how that works. Like, I don't look out for white people. I do the same thing that for, for white people that I do with black people. It's just everybody gets exactly the same down the road. Fair. I mean, like, well, that, that, that sword does cut both ways. Like, oh, yeah, it yeah. Like, oh, let me off. Mm, sorry, can't do that, boss. Like, that's not how this works, man. Like, <laughs> that's fair. So uh, it, it definitely helps having people that that are of color because it gives you a different mindset like I, I mean I've had plenty of conversations with you know officers of color that are in our department that I'm really cool with like man I consider them super super tight like I'd invite I invite them over to my house to hang out with my family and everything so like having that mindset and having that ability to be able to talk to them and see things from their eyes and their viewpoint definitely helps gotcha. it offers a different perspective oh yeah Definitely. Because I mean, look, let's be honest about it, right? Like us white folk, we have a certain way that we've been brought up depending on the area that we're, that we're brought up in. I'm not saying all white folk are, you know, have that, are, have that ability to tap into privilege and stuff like that. But I didn't exactly grow up in the hood. You know, I didn't, I don't, I don't know those, those ways of operating. I don't, we haven't gotten used to that but I still have an ability to be able to be understanding and to know because, because of the way that my mom, and my dad brought me up, that's just what it is. So although I may have not have experienced those things and been along the same lines as those, I'm still able to tap into that by talking to fellow officers who have been born, raised and everything dealing with these types of things their whole life. Whereas I only dealt with them, you know, a matter of four years. I mean, so that, that means you, you touched on something that brought up a good point. Um, you know, being willing to learn means a lot. Yeah, that's, that's a huge thing. Being a cop, you have to be willing to be open-minded. You have to un- try to understand where they're coming from because it's not going to help you if you think, hey, you're supposed to live like this and you're supposed to act like this. Well, that's not the case for every situation. We, we all are, know that. I mean, it's it's not... They're not the same communities, period. Different set of guidelines and rules putting on where you at. So, you know, what do you, what is your department doing? Again, like I said, we know that things are contentious right now because, I mean, we, the age of social media and, you know, we, we, we get to see a whole lot more than we had before. It was like some things we assumed, but like we didn't know or that we didn't see. So, you know, what are some of the things that your department are trying to do to like, improve community relations, especially with, you know, those minority communities that you, that you guys service. We, uh, we tapped into a state 
funded program where it's called Safe Streets. And a lot of the times the guys will be on foot in the areas of say like, you know, Chester Apartments is, is more of a lower income neighborhood. We have like our little pockets in the city that are a little bit more high crime, high, high drug. And I mean, it's, it, they're problems, period. It, there's a lot of guys running around. You got 14 all the way up to 18 year olds running around with AKs, ARs and all kinds of crazy ass guns. I mean, you're talking about Call of Duty stuff. <laughs> and we, so we started tapping into our state funding and our ADA has been, made a big push on the guns aspect. And he's allowed us to be able to put officers in those areas on foot, talking to people and, and becoming a little bit more in tune with, hey, look, you can talk to me, you can explain how you're feeling and I can see where you're coming from type of thing. And, uh, and had that wielded some positive results for you guys? Oh yeah, our Facebook page is, is, is lit right now with a whole bunch of different gun arrests and all kinds of stuff. Only because, you know, you start to deal with the same people, you know, who's in the good swing of things and who's in the bad swing of things. Mm. So it really helps you to know your community and to know who's doing what, because a lot of the times they always go back to the same place when they're running. Make, that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. So, you know, let, let's get into the, I guess, depending on how you look at it, the, the biggest burden of everybody in America, which is, you know, the media. Um, not even just social media, but just the media in general, depending on which side of, you know, CNN. Yeah, it's it's or, brutal, man. It's brutal. <laughs> depending on, you listen to CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, you might get a whole different thing about the same goddamn situation. Yeah, every uh, single news station has a completely different outlook on it. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, wild. they do. So, my first question would be, what is the, bis the biggest misconception of police officers that you've seen since you've been one? I mean, I, I was talking to my wife earlier today about it, and even even yesterday we were talking about it. I, I said it's insane to watch the news and the way that the news completely focuses on negative interactions for most of the part because, I mean, I've seen so many good interactions with cops, and I mean, I've literally been pulled over by cops and had good interactions, and it's, it's, it's kind of polarizing, man. It, it, it ends up separating people because if you're used to looking at it one way, say Philadelphia is a big blue, is a blue, big blue County, you know, obviously you've got a lot of democratic people in there. I mean, I personally focus on, Hey, I view myself as democratic. It's very little different than most people in my department, but I still view myself as a democratic person because of the way that I have certain thoughts and certain things that I follow and believe. So I, I, I tell my wife all the time, there's, there's a lot of good stuff that the media is missing and there's a lot of bad stuff that the media is amplifying. There's a way to report the facts and then there's a way to report something to make sure that they stick on your news station. I definitely don't think that a lot of the nowadays it's starting to spin and starting to create a, a, a little bit more of a hassle on cops because there might be situations where they only show one video and a cop is like, wait a minute, it wasn't like that 40 seconds ago, you need to show that video. Or they may not have the video of the beginning until after they've done their investigation and now all of a sudden you're seeing that like, oh shit, this guy was beating on this cop. He was doing this, he was doing that. Like, it's like, oh man, that's crazy. That's different, you know? 
So I definitely think that the media isn't following their responsibility of reporting facts as they are. And I definitely think that there's a, a bit of a spin for most media. I mean, unless you watch C-SPAN, it's boring as hell, but, but you watch exactly what they're saying and you can make your own mind up for it. And I, and I tell my wife that all the time, like, look, you want to know what a bill that they're passing in Congress is exactly what it entails. Watch C-SPAN because all they do is just record the inner house. That's it. They don't record anything else. They don't re report on anything else. They give you exactly what you need. The meat and potatoes, I like to say. <laughs> so do you feel like a lot of um, have a rush on trying to be first and not being factual? I, I definitely think Because, I mean, whoever's first gets the money, gets the views, gets, gets and that's that's the biggest thing. Money makes the world go round. So they're getting their money, then they're staying in business. So, you know, again, in terms of community relations in the media, so would you say that media's impact has been more of a negative or, or positive when it comes to trying to help? Like, especially, okay, so two questions. And have you seen a difference in how your view in a predominantly Caucasian area as opposed to a minority area? And do you think that the media has anything to do with that? I, I would say, yeah. I would say that there's definitely a, a split in the way that they report news. Obviously, you're not going to get a lot of crazy stories out of predominantly good middle, say, middle class to middle high class uh neighborhoods than say somewhere in Philly or somewhere in Chester or somewhere in say Chicago. I mean, they got plenty of stories coming out of Chicago of just nothing but shootings 24 seven all the time. All they report in Chester is shootings. Hey, this, this person there, we had the amount of shots fired we have per night is insane compared to the shootings. And, but you don't hear the, the stories about, Hey, like, the cop was over at this corner and this lady was selling Easter baskets out of the back of her car. And the cop made sure he bought most of the stuff that she had in order to make sure that she had money to go home to her family because he understands that it's a little tight. They don't report that stuff because it's not, it's, it's, look, it's not, it's not flashy. It's not flashy. It doesn't grab your attention and it doesn't hold you on, hold your attention. So I definitely think that yes, there is a skew on things. And I, I also believe that there's not that much stuff going on that's that flashy in those neighborhoods. Like, let's be real, Jim Bob stealing a tractor isn't exactly gonna be as flashy as, hey, 14 year old gunned down. It, that type of shit is crazy the way that they report it. And it's always, it's always, I, I mean, personally, I stopped watching the news because it's just, it's none but negative stuff. I want my information, I just go to the blotters at that point. They'll tell you exactly what happened during that day, what kind of stuff happened. Most places have it, but obviously, like, say, your low-income neighborhoods don't really have that type of stuff. Now, is, crazy, now, is it crazy how they report it? or like, Because, again, like you said, when you, if, if all we were to do was listen to the media, it would be, damn, every day, some 10-year-old, some 15-year-old, somebody <laughs> got shot for no fucking reason. But is it a matter of the media only focusing on those days or do they happen more than we would like to admit? I would say they've been happening mm -hmm. because we've had it. In, I mean, in Chester, we've had 
last year was rough. So last year was kind of like our off the course kind of blotting as far as the crime is concerned. Like we had 36 homicides. I mean, if you look at it for 33,000 people, 36 is wild. We were on par rate wise to beat Chicago if we would have continued going. We literally, if it, and it was, it, this, is, this is what was mind blowing. Somebody actually told me who does the stats for us. He said, if we had the same population as Philly, we'd have four times the homicide rate that they, that they had, which is absolutely crazy for a city that only has 33,000 people. So I think that they've been happening, but the issue is now we have a lot more eyes, a lot more video capabilities, a lot. It's a lot quicker to say, hey, click, click. Okay, you're on video, boom, that fast, that easy. Whereas people back then, I mean, look, man, they had the little flip out videotapes that, you know, you, you, it took a little bit to get it winded up, man. So, you know, again, in talking about holding police accountable and things of that nature, do you think that, because, I mean, again, depending on what cop you get, you get some cops that don't mind people around recording, but a lot of videos that we get that, you know, you say the one that gets shown on the media is of cops, yo, put that fucking camera away, da 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 So, like, what do you say to that? Like, I mean, being as though, you know, you had your body cam and things of that nature, so, like, you, you already know how it's supposed to go, but are you, you know, do you see that as a benefit that you're, you know, another layer of accountability, basically? I mean, I don't mind. Yeah, I don't. I don't care if people record. You can record all they want because when people are like, I, I mean, I had I had an incident the other day. I had a, a female that I was speaking to about uh, a theft of money. She had drugs on her. I said, "Look, the weed isn't a big issue." I said, "But I also know that you concealed something on your person. I know you put something in your pants that you're not supposed to have." I was like, "I'm not stupid. I've been doing this for a few years. Like, in the city of Chester, your experience as a cop." In a matter of six months, you've seen what most places have seen in two, two to three years. So I'm like, look, I've seen it. I know what's going on. I know you have it. People start recording after the fact when we started actually wrestling with her, trying to get the item out of her pants. Obviously, I'm, I'm a male cop. I'm not going in her pants. That's not going to happen. She's going to get arrested. She's going to get cuffed. She's going to go back to the station and get searched. And when they find it, she's going to get a felony for bringing in drugs into a cell block. I, I told her, I said, look, you give it to me now after you've been handcuffed and, you know, we got her under control. You give it to me now. You don't get the felony because you can't bring drugs and guns into a cell block. That's just, it's what it is. Like you can't, it's not, it's not an everyday thing. It's not a party style. Like you go to jail for consequences. She was more than willing to give us that at that point. And I told, and I turned, Obviously, when I turn around with the drugs and the PCP in the vial, nobody wants to record it. Completely up to them. I don't care if they record, but they may not get what they exactly expected. So I, I think that in order to be responsible, I think that, you know, every department should have body cams. We don't. We don't have body cams or, or dash cams at all. There's no type of recording on our end or audio or anything. I definitely wish that we had them for a lot of the situations that we have. I mean, we've got people that came in on complaints that said that cops are using N-word this and N-word that while they were fighting with them. And another department happened to be there. Their body cam was recording 
and none of that stuff was said. So I, I definitely think that every department should have body cams. And yes, it would hold more cops accountable and they would have to think twice about how their actions are coming out. Does it happen all the time? No, but does, is there, I mean, look, every, profe every prof profession has their bad apples. I, I completely understand, like, you're going to get a percentage of guys who are completely shitbags. They shouldn't be in the job. They somehow got in. They, yes, do they go through background investigations and all that stuff? Sure. But are you exactly going to be able to tell somebody's racist by, the, by, you know, going to their house and talking to their family? Hell no. You're going to find out through their actions. Well, unfortunately, their actions are starting to show. And because we're in the era of, hey, I can pull up any type of phone or anything and record, it shows a lot faster. And it shows in a very bad way. And it puts a black eye on the department. Because, hey, look, we missed this guy. This guy was an asshole. He had a tendency for rage or he had a tendency to put his hands on people or he had a tendency to say the N-word or, or treat people a certain way. It's, it shows a lot faster, especially because of the, the availability of recording that we have nowadays. So I know we talked about it a little bit earlier um, about, you know, the differences in generations. So, you know, the generations before you. Oh, yeah, um, very different. Right. And it seems like those seem to be the ones that make a lot of the decisions. So with that being the case, do you see that maybe a hindrance to the progress might be the fact that you have a whole bunch of the old guard still there and, you know, making the, deci the decisions, like you said, not it everybody definitely plays a part. Mm -hmm. okay. I mean, it definitely plays a part because some people are set in their ways. I mean, we all know that we all got like uncles and aunts that are, <laughs> you know, act the same way and they'll never change, you know, but there are, there are people that have come around. Like I, I know personally in our department, we've had a couple older guys that are actually really good at doing their job. And even though they were brought up in the back, back in the stone age, I, I like to mess with them. You know, I'll say, hey, you were raised in the stone age, but uh, you know, they're really good at their job. They're very good at, at talking to people. I mean, you just, it, it all depends on, on the ones that we know and the ones that we don't know. Like a lot of guys are closed off. They don't really show their personal side at work. And that's like the old style, you know, like nowadays, you know, I know personally, I'm cool with a lot of cops that are that are around my age and around my like generational group, so to speak, on hiring. And we, you know, we try to spend time with each other and stuff like that outside of work. So I mean, you you'll be able to tell at that point because your personal life is on view for your coworkers. So you know, you know, you know, you know I gotta ask because you know, again, you know, we viewed in 2020 and how all the protests and things went. So blue lives matter. What do you think and what's your response to that and how that's thrown out there? So I always laugh when I hear it because I mean, at the end of the day, like I tell everybody, not only do I wanna go home, but I wanna make sure that they go home. I wanna make sure that whoever I am handling goes home. It's never a good thing to have anybody's blood on your hands and it messes you up for your, the rest of your life. And it can ruin a lot of people's lives around you. Like it destroys people. So to avoid making a situation even worse, I tend to stray away from it. Like I'm very, 
I'm hyped to be a cop because of the the type of uh, like the bravado that it brings and stuff. Like it's cool, you know. It's like, hey, look, I'm a cop. But I've tended to stray away from that. Like when I first got hired, I was like, oh yeah, 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 cops, cops, cops. And then I'm like, eh, let me pump the brakes a little bit. Like you start learning. You you learn as you go. And I mean, it, especially having you got to have a good base around you. You got to have a good foundation. And I, I got lucky. Like I met my wife right out of college. So she knew who I was before I was a cop. She saw how I was when I first became a cop. And, you know, some guys really dig into it and they think everything that they are is a cop. <laughs> they don't realize that when you go home, you have a life. You're only a cop for eight hours. If something happens outside of work, obviously, you know, being a cop, you feel responsible for the community and you want to jump into action, that's fine. But for those eight hours, 12 hours, whatever shift you run, you're a cop and you're a person first. When you go home, you have a family. I have, I have a wife, I have a two-year-old, I have another one on the way. Like there's just, there's, there's other stuff that's in there. You don't have to completely solely base your life off of being a cop because that's what brings issues. When all you see yourself as is, I'm a cop and that's it. There's no other part of me that's a person. Like I like cars, I like racing, I like all that type of stuff. If you don't focus on keeping that in your life, then your whole entire system of being grounded is completely uprooted. And then you have a complete issue with, well, when people start attacking cops, especially in the day and age that we're in, that's when cops are like, well, blue lives matter. And we matter. Yeah, that's, that's great. We do. By all means, we all need to go home. We all are people. We all deserve the same level of responsibility as anybody else. But that doesn't mean we have to go against other people. It doesn't mean we have to completely detach ourselves from society and say, we are this group, this sect, this cult, and we're not going to change. No, it's not the case. And I can see now like things are starting to kind of shift and you're not really seeing a lot of people going, hey, blue lives matter because they're starting to open up their eyes and say, you know what? Maybe this isn't the way that I should be vibing. Maybe I should be a little bit more open minded and maybe I should be able to listen to the guy across the screen or the guy who I'm talking to on the street or the guy there. It's kind of like a, a little bit of a light bulb going off. And, and I think that we're at the turn of something good. So, you know, one of, the one of the last topics I wanted to touch on, again, kind of the Blue Lives Matter and then, you know, back to blue and like all, all of these things sprang up in response to the Black Lives Matter movement. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. That, that's what, it, you know, so to Black people, yeah. like, bro, we never said you didn't matter, one. And two, again, we're not complaining that you exist. We just complaining that you keep fucking us up. Like that, that's, that's the complaint. Like that's yeah. the complaint. So, you know, when, you know, we, we talk about these things and when, you know, different institutions are bringing up police brutality and things like that, because it don't just, like, the one thing that always drives me nuts is everybody, oh, it's a black people problem. No, like police brutality, everybody, every race experiences it. Now, something yeah. like, you know, again, it might get highlighted to different degrees among certain communities, but like, no, nowhere did black people ever say it only happens to us, because we know for a fact that's not true. But my question to you is when, you know, when these protests and things started and, you know, the demand for police accountability 
was basically the forefront. Did you take that as a personal attack against, you know, you and your department and just go, you know what? Listen, they have a, a good point. Like, we, we got it better. I mean, I personally, I didn't take it. I don't, a lot of the guys at our department really didn't take it as a personal attack. I mean, we have a few guys that are a little hardcore Republican and hardcore, like, cops and all they do is focus on cops and and we have i mean i you i've heard it that oh my god they're attacking us they're gonna they're gonna try to destroy us and it's more of a being responsible like you said being responsible for your actions like yes it happens to everybody yes does it happen in predominantly black neighborhoods a lot more than it does in predominantly white neighborhoods yes for a fact, by large, yes. Do I think that the agenda kind of got hijacked by politics? Yeah. I think when they when things started out and the protests started out, they started out phenomenal. I was I was hyped. I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like seeing this type of act activism and seeing this type of pe- dude, the amount of people that came together for it was amazing. It's always good to see people sticking up for each other and people to coming together for a common goal. I mean, we've, we're society, right? We've, we've been tuned to say it's good to come together for a common goal because of team sports and different dude, everything for politics. You have to come together to be able to pass some type of bill. Everything in society is focused on coming together. So I think people forget about that and get more involved with the, I'm part of this group. You're part of that group. I really don't want to work with you because I believe this should happen. And when things get hijacked and people start doing things that aren't supposed to be be done, that's where we lose the message. And I'm completely for, you know, being accountable and, and, and looking out for people of color because it does happen to people of color more often. I I mean, it's, it's proven fact. We see the numbers, we've seen all the details that go into it all the research that different schools have done, different professors, different cops that are no, that are that are retired that have been looking into it. Like we see it, it comes down to keeping the original message and following that and not allowing other people to take over your message. It's just keeping your voice, that's it. Keep your voice loud, strong and straightforward. I mean, yeah, like I said, the time that we're in, you know, it's just, wow. So, I mean, you it's know, just for things to take off real easy, real easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, like I said, you know, just again, I live in what I live in West Reading. So I, I'm not in the bad side of Reading, but I'm, I'm yeah. not too far from it. So you cross the bridge and you in a whole other world. But, um, you know, just from. You know, my observations. So, okay, quick little backstory. I went to a farmer's market a few weeks ago and predominantly white, obviously. And I see a shirt that when I when I tell you this shirt fucked me up, it fucked me up. <laughs> it was like, if you got a problem with cops, the next time you call 911, we're going to send a crackhead instead of a police officer. I said, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what I saw, I was like, huh? Hold up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd have, I'd have to take a picture of that and post it on, on, on I everything. I wanted to, but I didn't want to. I'm like, I'm like one of the only black people in this joint. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm you don't want to single yourself out. Like, damn, look at this fool. But when I saw it, I'm like, damn. And like, when I, like, I, again, 
I, I have friends from all different walks of life. You know, I have Republican friends. I have Democratic friends. I got people that don't vote. I, I have friends everywhere. So I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm never going to judge you for, you know, what you feel. Like, I mean, that's how you feel. But it, it just always amazes me sometimes how, like, people internalize shit. So it's like, yeah. okay, Black Lives Matter. Never said Black Lives Matter, only Lives Matter, but we just saying, yo, look, you know, at, at this point in time, we're getting fucked up a little bit more than you are. So, like, you know. Yeah, we're just making our voice a little louder. Right. So, you know, when, when the Blue Lives Matter and things start coming up, I was just like, but, like, who said they didn't? Like, I, I'm, you know, no one's just saying, okay, it's an open season on cops. All right, motherfucker, you shoot a cop, you're going to get penalized. Like, you, your ass going to jail, don't Oh, yeah, yeah. Fremont Road. What do you do? Shot a cop. No, put him in jail. Like, I, like, I don't have <laughs> to free him for his ass to jail. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I, I always find it interesting. I mean, again, you know, dealing with, you know, Republicans, some that were fans of Trump and things of that nature. It's just like, damn, like, did we go back to the 1960s? Like, is that where we're, like, heading? Because it, it just seems like it, it polarized us to such a degree that it was like, all right, well, if you're not on this side, then you're you're against me. And it's like, why does it have to be that way? I, I just don't, I don't I, know. I man. definitely wish that more people thought like us, the way that we're <laughs> open-minded about it. Like, hey, look, yes, it's happening. Yes, we're concerned and we're aware of it. And we're trying to do something about it. As opposed to, man, they're coming after my, my job. Like, nah, bro, we're not doing that. And then not being aware of it because at that point you close yourself off. If somebody feels attacked, boom, shut, shut down. That's it. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that. And that's going to prevent you from being able to solve the problem with the other side. Man, <laughs> we, we live in a very interesting time, bro. Like I, I look at it and I'm just like, so, okay. I'm just going, like I said, just speaking from my personal experience, I have a, a phobia of cops. I, I really do. It's not even that I, I don't do shit illegal, at least not that I know of. Um, and, but like when I'm like I'm driving, be driving my car, and if a cop car pull up behind me, I instantly tighten up. Like it, it's an innate fear of mine. So like I know that I'm not the only person that has those same kind of fears. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that you know I've, I've had good interaction. I, would, with that. I wish that. you could ask my wife about it because we were driving the other day and I had a cop pull up behind me and I was like. <laughs> and I was like, my car ain't registered right now in New Jersey because I just moved over here and they've been shutting down due to COVID. Like, oh, I'm about to get my car towed. I'm about to get sighted. Like, you don't know I'm a cop too. Like, damn. And I was tensing up. She was like, yo, why are you bugging right now? I was like, you don't understand. Like, I know my stuff isn't right. <laughs> She's like, okay, but like, you can explain it to him. I said, like, yeah, but you know, in certain places, certain cops don't want the explanation. They don't care. They come in, they take your shit and they, and they roll. And, and you know, sometimes that's, that's, the, that's the spot that we, you know, I can say minorities kind of live that it's like, we just automatically go into defense mode. So it's like, like you said, the end goal is always to go home. So, you know, I, you know, my Caucasian friends, I, I always make this point. I'm like, yo, like, when y'all left the crib, your mom wasn't telling you, yo, do whatever you can to get back home. You know what I'm saying? Your mom was thinking, okay, you might go joy riding with Jimmy from around the corner, but you'll be fine. Those aren't the same fears that, like, minority moms have because, like, okay, well, you know, a, a basic traffic stop, 
could turn into you getting a phone call and your kid laid up in the hospital. Like, you know, and, you know, again, not saying that these are all the cases, but we would be remiss to not admit that these things do do happen. So, again, when when we talk about accountability, that I think that's all anybody ever is really asking for. No one's going to say, yo, get rid of the police department because we know you guys serve a purpose. Like, we need you. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're watching what that's doing right now in Minnesota. Yeah, they got rid of they got rid of the department now. They're asking for him back. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, reaction, right? I mean, of course, you're gonna have your extremists, no matter what the cause is. Somebody way left, somebody way right. But you know, at the core of what many have been saying is, yo, just hold them accountable. That's it. Right? If they make a mistake. Okay, you made a mistake. There's a consequence for the mistake. Let's yeah, move on. You got to handle it. But like when you see cases like you know this case in Minnesota and other cases where, you know, okay, the whole, uh, what's her name? Oh, God. The, 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 the raid that happened. What's her name? Oh, uh, Brianna <laughs> Taylor. When you look at situations like the Brianna Taylor situation and, you know, other situations where, like, the cops were clearly probably more so along the side of wrong than right, but then they go and then there there's no justice, it seems like. So, like, yeah. a lot of times, like, damn, bro, like, all right, we caught the motherfucker on tape. Like, if that was me, my ass would be in jail. Like, it wouldn't be a publicized thing. All right, listen, you fucked up. They caught you on camera. Yeah. You go to jail. But it, it just seems like from the outside looking in that that consistency of justice doesn't always apply to police officers. And that's where I think a lot of the frustration lies. Like, you know, even probably then with the whole Mike Brown thing, which, you know, we could talk about the facts of that, whatever. But it was like, again, Here's a case where we like, all right, they're gonna take him to trial, but he's gonna get off. I mean, a lot of people said about the case in Minnesota. Like, all right, you know, he's he's on trial now, but if he gets acquitted, then what? Because yeah. literally we we have a man on camera sitting on homeboy for an extended period of time. It's completely unnecessary. Un- I, unnecessary. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, damn, dog, like what, what the fuck do we gotta do? Like. I was just talking to a partner of mine who works on uh, I used to I was on day work for a little bit with him. He's one of my boys. His his, his name is Broadus. He uh, man, I was talking to him the other day about it. I was like, dude, I said I ain't never sit on nobody for no eight minutes. I said, that's crazy. The longest period of time that I've ever, ever had anybody in any type of lock at all, handcuffed or not, was at least 30 seconds. Maybe that's it. To gain control of the situation. That's it. Once you have it, you got it, bro. You won. <laughs> Chill out. I mean, and then he's I over think here the, on the middle of the field and shit. Like, no, bro, that's not what we're doing. That made it so disheartening for me. Again, like I said, it's unfortunate that as a community, we've kind of gotten desensitized to some of these things. Yeah. But like, you know, and especially in the Floyd case, you know, in the Floyd's case. You had other officers around. Who could so like, you know, get off him? No, like nobody else. Yo, my man, like he, he ain't moving, bro. Like you good? Like get, get the fuck. Like, you, you no, got like, nobody else thought. Yo, like we got we we got this. Like you can get up now. Yeah, yeah. That's the part that that, that makes them. Like that's the part that well, again they they stepped aside and kind of let it rock, whether they thought it was wrong or not. You no you're one did anything. Yeah, you're supposed to say, "Yo, let's roll. Let's do this." 
which is why I asked the question, but I mean, you made a good point that, you know, some things, even though it might be right, doesn't mean you're comfortable doing them. It's so like, you know, it's just like, damn, like, I know that there are good cops. Comfortable in saying something, period. Right. I, I know there's good cops there. I, I mean, I met a couple of, plenty of them. My uncle's a cop. I mean, the guy JT up in Charlesburg. I, I think you remember JT. Uh, bro, JT's I, a man. Yeah, they, you, I've met some really dope ass cops, and I'm like, all right, cool. But it's like, it again, like you said, talking about the media, how they spend things. All we see are the bad apples, and then we see the bad apples surrounded by some people that might not feel comfortable yeah. talking out or speaking out against the bad apples. And it's like, well, damn, like if y'all don't even want to hold yourselves accountable, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Yeah, you, we like 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 anybody does. You take a note to protect everybody. You don't take a note to protect yourself. Period. Everybody's lives on that oath matter. Period. When you get sworn in as a cop, when you take an oath and you take an oath to protect the community, it doesn't matter if the community is black, Asian, white, red, blue, purple. I don't give a shit what you are, who you're from, who you are, where you're from. The oath covers your community. Done deal. That's it. Look, operating in a black and a black and white manner. Black there's there's wrong, there's right. If you're doing something wrong, you're gonna get caught up. Period. If you're doing something wrong and it's not by the book and it's not something that can be worked out or anything, I don't want to hear it. That's not that's not what we're that's not what we're doing. That's not that's not the vibes over here. <laughs> oh look, man, shit, I hope we can make some more cops like you out here. Cause I mean, maybe maybe we can get rid of some of these, you know, bad apples. Cause like again, like I said. In order for us to can to fix these problems, one, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm I'm very appreciative of you coming on the show today, um, and speaking, just, you know, your mind being very open and honest, and actually, you know, being willing to admit that you know there are some things that are wrong. You, you would get some people that talk about, oh well, no, I don't know what you're talking about, or it's like, bro, like we can literally see it. Like, what, what do you mean you don't know what's wrong? I'm looking at it. The the whole, I mean, like everybody says, speak violent. Uh, yeah. Silence speaks volumes. When guys are not stepping up and holding others accountable, then that's what creates a, a, a culture in the department that, that leads to bad shit. You don't want bad shit happening, so you have to be accountable, period. I, I think we can end it right there. That 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 was beautiful. <laughs> like I, I think we can end it right there, man. Because like, that, that man, just spoke volumes. That's what it comes down to. It's just when, like I said, when you become a cop, you become a cop because you want to help people. You don't want to put people in bad situations. If somebody's putting somebody in a bad situation, you got to speak up because if you don't, it leads to bad stuff. Well, look, man, you are welcome to come back anytime. If anything on your mind, let me know. I, listen, I, it's been a pleasure. You know, we got we to catch up, man. It, it's been too damn long. Yeah, I, I got to get my fence and my yard together. But once I do, I, I'm going to be doing a patio soon. I got to uh, get the house squared away for summer because I'm going to be – we're going to get it lit. Sounds good, man. Well, look, I enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Thank you for spending an hour with me. I appreciate you, and oh, I'll man. be in touch soon. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Peace. Peace.